Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Practice Journeys, the podcast where members share their stories about their professional path, lessons learned, and how their experiences shaped who and where they are today. My name is Alfred Awa, and I am a current PGY-1 Health System Pharmacy Administration Leadership Resident at Houston Methodist Hospital in Houston, Texas. Today, we will be chatting with Dr. Lauren Palampati, Assistant Professor at Virginia Commonwealth University School of Pharmacy, Dr. Elise McDonald, Director of Pharmacy Services, Investigational Drug Services at Stanford Healthcare, and Dr. Sarah Hardiman, Clinical Pharmacist at the University of Tennessee Medical Center, about establishing professional identity as a new practitioner and its importance in career development. Thanks for joining us today. To begin, I want to get each of you all's opinion on how would you define your current professional identity? And we can start with Lauren. Thank you, Alfred, for having us. When I first started thinking about this, I was reflecting on my current professional identity. I asked myself, what is the definition of identity? And so when I looked this up, it was defined as a set of characteristics or description that distinguishes a person or things from others. Oftentimes in the medical profession, this often translates to a representation of self achieved over time in which a person develops an individual thinking, acting, and feeling for their profession. So when I think about this for myself, when I first started as a resident and I was beginning in an academic career, my priorities were set on my clinical self. I invested more time in creating my practice site, networking with my physician group, and creating relationships with my patients. As I've become more comfortable with my clinical service and need less time in establishing myself there, it's really enabled me to explore my additional priorities in my career, such as my focus on innovations within teaching. So with this additional time, I've created multiple courses within my School of Pharmacy regarding academic careers and residency and fellowship preparation, which are two areas I devote a lot of my time and energy into for our students as they develop their professional identities. So all of this to say, if I was to define my professional identity in one line, it would be as an academic ambulatory care pharmacist who focuses on diabetes management in my clinical practice and postgraduate training, practice advancement, and scholarship of teaching and learning in my academic role. These are all areas of focus that have been critical for me as I select what extra duties and roles I take on as my career develops. I think my role in a clinical setting being different from academic setting is I see myself more as a medication optimizer. I have the privilege to be part of a great medical team with a lot of mutual respect among the different disciplines. I feel the medication niche on our medical team. They know they can come to me with any of their medication needs. And these are not just clinical needs. They can range from drug distribution, order verification, profile review, and finally DI. Ultimately, the goal of all of us in the hospital is to take the best possible care of our patients and by utilizing our unique training and knowledge together in perfect synergy. Thanks, Lauren and Sarah. This is Elise. So I think we all have a slightly different take, but yet we all have some similarities with our professional identities. And I think what we're really saying is that your professional identity is how you think, feel, and act as a pharmacist, depending on what stage you are at in your career. And so for me, currently, as a director over a very specialized service within our pharmacy department, what I tend to do is to keep in mind patient safety and satisfaction of our patients, but also top of mind is my staff safety and security as well. So, and how I'm making those decisions every day, keeping staff and 
patients in mind. Both need to know that you are going to have their back, so to say, as a leader. And so this concept will ensure that your staff also have their own professional identity every day when they are taking care of their patients. You know, I also want to say that from my perspective, professional identity comes into play also in pharmacy advocacy. And so I don't only necessarily mean, you know, let's go to our state legislature, let's go to Congress in D.C. and talk about pharmacy advocacy measures from a legislative perspective, but also presenting your ideas, whether it's podium or poster presentations, getting your name out there, publishing manuscripts, peer reviewing manuscripts for journals, those kinds of activities as well can help you establish your professional identity. And I think that has helped me over the course of my career, which is a little over a decade now in pharmacy. So participating in these pharmacy related activities really will help you establish yourself and establish your professional identity and help re-engage your perspective as you move through your career in the different stages. Those are all fantastic responses. Thank you three so much for your insight on that. Now that we've defined what a professional identity is, Sarah, could you speak to how does someone start their professional identity? Of course, Alfred. I think it's important as new practitioners starting out to remember that professionalism does not equal professional identity. One cannot simply go through the motions of being a professional and expect to develop a professional identity. I encourage all new practitioners to find a role model, either formally in a mentorship program or informally with a coworker. Talk with them about what drives their daily practice and then become involved in practice of pharmacy, kind of like what Elise was talking about. Attend conferences, be involved at your practice sites, state or national organizations, or just in the community, volunteering. These will help you find the attitudes and values that matter most to you and how you will apply them to your practice. Be okay with change and new experiences. If COVID has taught us anything, we need to be flexible. Sometimes things happen in your practice and they cause you to question your why. Frequent reflection will help you return to your base and allow you to grow your professional identity. It's okay if your identity shifts. I'm not who I was initially right out of pharmacy school. And especially as you change roles, I'm not in the same role as I started right out of residency either. And these are all okay. Change is good. Thanks, Sarah. I agree with everything you just said. I just want to echo that being okay with having your professional identity change over time is really key as you do progress from your career from being a student pharmacist to new practitioner to a more seasoned pharmacist. There will be different opportunities that present each time for you to develop your professional identity and really lean on mentors, as Sarah mentioned, or coworkers or someone you trust. It doesn't necessarily even have to be someone within the pharmacy profession either, because they may have a different take and be able to bounce different ideas off of you in your crafting of your professional identities. And it never hurts to kind of touch base with maybe a few different mentors as well to help start crafting your identity. And again, change is okay. It's okay to change over time. It should be expected as you gain more experience, new and differing opportunities will come your way. Right. Getting that start and crafting is extremely important in developing that professional identity. On that same page, Lauren, could you talk about what resources do you find most helpful in building your professional identity? Absolutely. I feel like Elise really touched on it earlier was that human network, right? I feel like oftentimes we're always looking for external sources, but I really think we 
sometimes discount those in our profession and your network that you can build. So I really think our most valuable resource is our network of individuals. And so I think just getting out there, getting to know others, seeing opportunities, seeing how they carry themselves in their roles and saying, what type of professional do I want to be? Can I find that in someone? How do I emulate that? And then what opportunities are they potentially pursuing? So in my own career, thinking about, you know, my academic career, who are those, you know, in my arena or in what areas do I see myself moving towards in my academic career and what things can I involve myself in to move to that next step? And so how can I network with those individuals, get to know those individuals and seek advice through mentorship? And so I feel like oftentimes there's different types of mentors we can have in that human nature and we call them our personal board of directors. And so it's finding a mentor for different aspects of your career. And so it's not always having just one mentor, but having multiple mentors, depending on what part of your professional identity you're seeking. I agree 100% with what Lauren was saying. And even to stress a little bit more, those informal relationships, everyone has a trait that I wish to emulate. So someone does really well dealing with conflict. Another one does very well dealing with distribution. And they're just all skills that I myself wish to emulate. I think it's also important on top of mentorship and formal informal to be aware of the issues and facing pharmacy practice and healthcare in general. And you can get this kind of information from ASHP or various news outlets. And this can help you fully embrace your role as a pharmacist and be better prepared for the challenges that will come and what kind of development you do need in order to best serve your patients. So once we've started to establish our professional identity, Elise, how can one expand their professional identity beyond the local level? That is a really great question, Alfred. You know, for me personally, I think my professional identity shifted as I gained more experience and exposure through the different practice areas of pharmacy in which I worked. So early on in my career, I was trying to establish myself within my current state of Utah. I was new to that state. I had moved to Utah for PGY2 and drug information and hence had stayed on to practice in Utah, but I was still new to the state. I didn't go to pharmacy school in the state. So I was trying to think of different ways of how I could establish myself on the state level. I was pretty well established within the local level, within our health system. And then I had an opportunity presented to me to lead the program committee for our ASHP state affiliate, USHP. So I said yes to that experience because I was interested in CE programming and the development of CE programs and wanted to shape the future for programming for our USHP members. And so I chaired that committee for a couple of years and then ran for board of director position within USHP. And then once that position was over, I then was voted into the presidency for a three-year term there for USHP. So it kind of just developed upon itself kind of naturally within the state perspective of things. But each state affiliate is different. And so you might start at a local chapter if you have local chapters within your state and then kind of move through your state affiliate in that fashion. But nonetheless, all of those local and state opportunities 
help establish opportunities and potentially lead to opportunities on the national level with ASHP. So because I was a president of USHP, that led to an opportunity to be on the Commission on Affiliate Relations for ASHP. And so I was very grateful for that opportunity, but it took you know, quite a few years to get to that point. So, you know, also being patient with the process and take step by step, take each step and the learnings from each step. And as you move on throughout the years, you'll see how your professional identity has grown and you might not even have realized it until you do that internal reflection from where you started to where you are in present day. Wow, Elise, that was awesome. You've done a ton of things. And I feel like I would 100% agree. I think a lot of how you can move beyond the local level really is networking. And I feel like I was thinking about this as I was preparing and I was thinking, wow, what a great time for individuals to start building their professional identity because our in-person meetings are opening back up. There's a great opportunity to step outside your local level, outside of your institution or outside of your network of pharmacists that you're already familiar with, whether that's through residency or your school, and really get to know people at meetings. And I think one of the best pieces of advice I was given when I started my current career was you're going to be given opportunities. And when you're given those, make sure you do them well, because people will ask you to do more things. And those things can lead to future opportunities, which it sounds like that happened with Elise. And I feel like similar things happened with me. So I was given an opportunity by a colleague who I would networked with, and it led me to be able to write some continuing education modules for an interprofessional organization. And then those led me to be able to then feel qualified to speak at some national presentations. And then ultimately as a new practitioner, you know, chair national committees. And so really what I took from all of this was that, you know, putting yourself out there, networking with individuals are really important. So if I were to convey that for our audience listening today, it'd be that one, people are interested in what you have to say or offer no matter what stage of your career you're in. And so as a new practitioner, that key is really finding where and how to say it. And then two, you have to take risks to have a big return. So if looking to jump out of your local level, submit your application for larger experiences, because the worst thing that can happen is somebody tells you no, and then you try again the next time. Those are all great stories. Transitioning from the local level to more of the national organization, Sarah, could you speak to how ASHP has helped you in establishing your professional identity? Of course, Alfred. I'd say ASHP has helped me several ways. First off, they've given me a community. We keep coming back to community in our networks, a pharmacist to grow with and engage in dialogue with. It has allowed to put my professional identity into action when joining a committee on any level. It could be ASHP or here in Tennessee, we have TSHP. You're placed in the position to interact with various pharmacists and many different practice areas with their own unique experiences. I know I've already learned a lot from Elise and Lauren right here. Sometimes this can be a little overwhelming and could cause you to question your own identity. But I do encourage you to find similarities with your new colleagues and to learn from the differences. Some specific ASHP resources that have helped me in developing my professional identity have been ASHP Connect, the mentorship programs, and the various committees and subcommittees. Yeah, to echo Sarah, I agree with everything she just said. You will be amazed how your network grows over the years. I remember starting out, I had my little network back in Pennsylvania and then my little network in Utah, but now my network really reaches out 
through the whole country. We all know pharmacy is a small world, but particularly investigational pharmacies is even a smaller world. So we all lean on each other. And I think that's pretty common throughout any specialized area in pharmacy. Everyone wants to reach out and help each other and you know, through Connect, ASHP Connect, through the various section advisory groups within each of the different sections that ASHP has, and then also the different commissions and councils that ASHP members are able to apply for those positions. And so I think just working within your network and your mentors' networks, and also the ASHP staff, they're really helpful and can help guide you if you're in one certain direction. If you're not quite sure where you quote fit, if you will, for ASHP, like I feel like I fit in a bunch of different sections. The ASHP staff are wonderful and they can help guide you as well in establishing your professional identity through ASHP. So we shouldn't forget the wonderful staff that ASHP have as well in helping us. Right. I completely agree with everything you've all said. Even as a new practitioner, ASHP has been instrumental in establishing my own professional identity. As you look at your time from like a student to a new practitioner to where you're now, Lauren, how has your professional identity evolved over time? Well, this question feels really fitting because in the past year I became a new mom. So talk about identities changing. I feel like really my personal identity changed a ton in this past year. But as I became a new mom, it also meant that my professional identity and priorities started to take a shift. And so ultimately for me, that meant seeking opportunities in areas that have been aligning with my new personal self while letting opportunities go that maybe my old self may have found appealing. And I think when I first came back from maternity leave in the fall, it was a really hard concept for me to wrap my head around that all the same things I was used to doing and used to finding appealing maybe weren't the same areas that I was, you know, finding joy in and that my professional identity was shifting at the same time that my personal identity was shifting. And so, you know, I used to be somebody who said yes to everything. And I think a lot of us as pharmacists, we're all type A individuals and, you know, all of us who are really involved in professional organizations, we say yes to everything. And I think as we evolve throughout our careers, we learn that there are times where there's wake up calls that it's okay to not say yes to everything. And you really start to hone in on the areas that you find the most joy out of and the most, you know, fit for you. And so I think my professional identity evolves as I find where my niche really is. And so it means creating boundaries for yourself. And again, I think this is the hardest thing for new practitioners to feel comfortable with is setting up those boundaries and saying, this is where I see myself finding my professional and personal self, and this isn't fitting in. And so how do you make those things align? So my biggest, you know, takeaway is just things change. And I think that it's going to be, you know, where in that phase of life and as well as your external phases of life as, you know, what's going on in the profession and what's going on in the world are really going to change and allow you to evolve over time. I have to echo Lauren again. My professional self is not who I was when I graduated pharmacy school. And one of the things that I struggled with personally, as I'm sure Lauren and Elisa as well, was saying no. And how do I pick what to say no to and what do I say yes to? So I always like to return to my why. And this goes back to my why back when I was interviewing for pharmacy school. Why did I want to be a pharmacist? Why am I here? 
And this really helps keep me grounded and helps determine what new role, decision, value is in line with who I want to be as a pharmacist. You know, initially, I thought that was the person knowing all the facts, all the nuances of therapy, being fully independent practitioner. But as I've grown, that is not who I am. After many doses of humble pie, I've learned that no man is an island and I embrace my team going back to medication optimizer. I love my patients and I know where my knowledge ends and to be the best person for my patient, I need to say help and to go to the other members of my team and give them what they need, but acknowledge my own limitations and they respect me the more for it. And that's how I'm best able to serve my patients. And staying on the topic of reflection for our final question, I want to pose this to all three of you. What do you wish you would have known in the past that you now know most of the least? Thanks, Alfred. This answer kind of piggybacks onto what Lauren and Sarah were just saying about the being thoughtful and in what opportunities you are accepting and being able to set boundaries for yourself. Early on in my pharmacy career, I Wish I would have realized that you don't have to say yes to every single opportunity. No one can be successful. You're not setting yourself up for success by saying yes to everything. I believe earlier on in this session, Lauren mentioned that, you know, be your best self when you are working collaboratively with people. And there's no way you can be your best self if you're taking on every opportunity that comes your way. And so I just wish that I would have known, or it would have been more in the forefront of my mind that I didn't always have to say yes to every opportunity. I think my past self just thought, well, if I didn't say yes, then they would forget about me and they wouldn't reach out to me for future opportunities. But That's really not the case. People understand, especially in this day and age with COVID and the pandemic and everything that that has thrown at us, that things shift, work life shifts, personal life shifts. And so there's just sometimes you just can't say yes to an opportunity that you may really want to do. But I think how you handle saying no to an opportunity is really key as well. Saying that, yeah, I really wish I could help in this instance, but I am just not in a place to be able to provide my best work. And that's really what this opportunity requires. So gracefully decline and things will come your way in the future. I know when I had first transitioned from frontline pharmacist in drug information into a manager role, I just had to take the year off from extracurricular activities, if you will, from a pharmacy perspective. I was learning my new team. I was learning how to be a manager in that transition from frontline staff to manager. And it was a lot for me to take on. And so I did not apply for re-upping on the SAG that I was on. And, you know, and I was a little nervous that, you know, well, maybe I won't get an opportunity to be on a SAG again, for example. But that wasn't the case because when I was ready to apply again, then I was offered the opportunity to be on a different SAG and it all works out. You just never know what opportunities are around the corner and it is okay to say no because you want to be proud of your work. And if you don't have the time to dedicate to your work, then you're not going to be successful. And so just remember, it's okay to say no and be gracious about declining the opportunity. To this day, I still struggle to say no. So I think everyone understands. I think 
the advice I would give would be to not try and force yourself into a mold that doesn't feel natural. I know I put way too much pressure on myself early in my career to be a certain way to fit into a certain role. And I was not getting joy from my work. I was not getting joy from what I was doing in my patient care and my establishment. They were the ones that suffered as well as myself. So, you know, find what gives you joy and your professional identity will come along with it. Be fluid, allow your practice to change. Don't be stiff and restrictive. That's all I got. Those are some great pieces of advice. I think I would probably end it out by talking about imposter syndrome. And so I think all new practitioners can really connect with that. And I think, you know, no matter what point in my career I'm in, I feel like I still have imposter syndrome, but I do think it held me back a little bit early on. So I would A, recommend everybody look into imposter syndrome, ASHP and other organizations. And I'm sure you can Google it. All have information on imposter syndrome and how to overcome imposter syndrome. But I think recognizing that imposter syndrome is real will help you make sure that you're saying yes to the things that are of value to you and not turning down opportunities before someone can turn them down for you. Again, I think, you know, I've mentioned my piece of advice is the worst thing that can happen is someone can tell you no, but you have to take that risk and put yourself out there. And there's definitely things when I first started, I was like, I'm not eligible for this. It tells me I need to have five years of service. Well, I'm only three years of service in. So why should I apply? But I applied anyways and got these opportunities. And I think that, you know, without those, my professional identity wouldn't be where it is today. But I also think about all the things that I did let imposter syndrome hold me back from. And I wonder where I would be had I not done that. How much more growth would I have had? And I think that goes back to, again, having that personal board of directors so that you can ask them and say, this is what I'm thinking. Do you think I'm qualified by, you know, the qualifications say X, but what about all my like soft skills and non-tangible things that aren't a degree or certification? Am I still eligible for this? Can I put myself out there? What's the downside taking this risk? All in all, don't let imposter syndrome hold you back and definitely start building out your personal board of directors and finding those mentors to help you because you don't want to go through this profession alone and you really need to have good mentors guiding you. Thank you all for sharing your stories and sharing your insight with our audience. That's all the time we have today. I want to thank Dr. Paul Mbadi, Dr. McDonald, and Dr. Hardyman for joining us today to discuss establishing professional identity as a new practitioner. If you haven't done before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's new practitioner resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings, such as targeted materials on career transitions for new practitioners, career development resources, and research tools. Be sure to also check out the new Practitioner Connect community where you can exchange ideas with your colleagues. Thank you again for tuning in for this session of Practice Journeys. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and be sure to subscribe to ASHP's podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.